You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As always. Oh yeah, it is September 21st, <laughs> 2020. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. No cans to pop because we've already popped them. Hey, guys, it is fall. It is. It's no. It's the last day of summer. Today's the last day of summer, right? Didn't feel like that. Yeah. It is the last day of summer. You're right. It doesn't it's the, definitely uh, does not feel like that. Um, I am Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Dan James, in the middle. Hello. And as always, Kevin Bradley is not with us. <laughs> the new trend. So we got our good buddy Eric Quintana of Mouse of the South joining us over. Over to the right side of your screen. What's up, Eric? How are you, man? Not much. I'm bad, man. Um, enjoying a nice, uh, easy breezy Monday afternoon, at evening. Bubbly. What, what kind drink? of bubbly you got over there? Mango. It's mango bubbly. Bubble. Yeah. Buble. It's, it's pronounced bubble. Look, I, I, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what kind of mood I'm supposed to be in between the Falcons and Atlanta United. It's just, it's just a whole <laughs> world of mess. Like, this is like. This is peak Atlanta sports. This weekend has been peak Atlanta sports, in my opinion. And and I I, I want to say that it'll never top what this weekend has been. But at the same time, we didn't think the Patriots would get topped, and somehow, yeah. If they're not, if, if if the Patriots had, if the Patriots hadn't happened in in the Super Bowl, this what happened last weekend with the Falcons would have been the worst thing ever. Well, yeah. it compounded I mean, like keeps topping himself. Like you don't think that that's going to happen again in your lifetime, let alone five years in the future. <laughs> I, I think I saw a stat that it was like uh, teams that were up twenty or I think twenty to nothing with zero turnovers, something like that, or four hundred and forty-four and zero since like nineteen thirty-three. Yep. To which I thought somehow they'll they'll find a way to to beat that record. 
See, I tweeted out that joke about it being Matt Ryan's fault when the comeback wasn't even like that close it's to all the defense. Yeah, but it's it's definitely Matt Ryan's fault. Thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> if you guys are watching us live on YouTube, make sure that you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell icon. As Domer says, smash the like button. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. We got Richard Gordon, Elliot Beaven, Domer, Brittany S, Percy Herrera joining live, which is very odd. He's uh, He was bothered to show up asking how all the true 17s are tonight. I do want to get to that because I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to feel either. I, I mean, I to be honest, like, like, Dan, I think we've talked about it on the show. Like, I feel like this, this season we've said is, is a wash. Um, I think it is. But obviously the front office is not going to come out and say that. Um, and to the true 17 thing, I didn't care that Franco Escobar said something. But then when the front office kind of took hold of it and tweeted it out, I was like, that's that's a bad look because then you're just gatekeeping. And the whole point of Atlanta United, what they founded themselves on when Darren Eels is going out to the pubs before the club's even formed saying, you know, we want to unite the city. So putting something stupid like that out on your social media is obviously, you know, the left hand's not talking to the right hand, uh, but I thought it was very, it was very stupid. I, I don't, ever since Ryan Cantonese has left, it seems like everything in that social media, the, the marketing aspect has, and I know he wasn't involved specifically with marketing, but the social media game for Atlanta United, everything's kind of gone downhill. Um between mm-hmm. him and the loss of Paul McDonough, it seems like this this team has just forgotten what it used to be, if you will. And th- both those both those people seem to be a a a key player in the players that Atlanta United recruited, the way that Atlanta United presented themselves with social media, and since their departures, it's all changed. Which I mean, that happens over time. You know, some people are going to leave, people are going to go off to you know pursue better opportunities or different opportunities, and you're going to have to f- replace those people with. Uh, with either better people, at the very least, someone who is who who can who can manage the same sort of work and manage the same sort of um, output that you'd like. That's not happening right now. I just it it goes to show how important front office people are to the overall goals of a club over over the long term. And uh, you know, Paul McDonough was I I want to say was poached. I'm not sure where what Ryan's doing now, but um, I know it's a better opportunity. Um, He's working at a pretty big uh, yeah. advertising marketing company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was something advertising. I just know specifically what. Yeah. You wonder with Paul McDonough, because his kind of shtick was he would create teams. Like, so he did that with Orlando. He did that with us. Then it made sense for another expansion team to do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a, a further expansion team, um, maybe um, Sacramento when they – finally come into the league but you wonder if if paul mcdonough can do it on the long term because sometimes it takes a different skill set to build something out of nothing and then to ride something for a, an extended amount of time so what are we, are we seeding are we seeding that paul mcdonough was the reason for our success in the first two and a half three years yeah but it's it see i mean it, it would be an incredible coincidence to hit on everyone, basically everyone that they picked up. Talk about Gressel, Miles Robinson, um, Yamil Saad, 
Um, you can talk about Joseph Martinez being thrown in there. Um, Miguel Miron, like all the guys that they hit on the obvious ones. And then, then the not so obvious ones, they were all hits. It's not like 2019, 2020, where, where you see that the, the bench has struggled to kind of main basically keep up with, I guess the, the starting 11 that they, we haven't had the, uh, the, the, the depth that we've had in the first two years. And and now that I look back and I remember thinking then I was like, man, we don't have a lot of depth, but those pieces were that much better than what we have now. How, how we'd be, I think we'd be, I think I heard it joked at some point after one of the Miami matches, how lucky would we would Atlanta United be right now to have Breck Shea just to have some additional depth at the, if not a starting piece altogether. No, you think about that too. It's like whenever you're not starting Bellow, because he there are a handful of games that he has not started even since right. the restart. I mean, a player like Breck Shea, like he was an easy scapegoat, I felt like. And we talked about that last year. Whenever he was playing, he got a lot like he got booed a lot because he doesn't for the player that he used to be whenever he was younger, especially in the U twenty World Cups going into um trying to think Dallas FC Dallas and then going over and playing at Stoke, like he was supposed to be a creative, like fast, go forward, be aggressive winger. And now later in his career, I don't know if it's the injuries, what, or he's been converted to like a wing back and he's been very like, he's averse to risk on the field, but that doesn't like, that doesn't lend itself to endearing yourself to the fan base. I mean, we saw that last year because he really doesn't do much on the ball, but I don't felt like he didn't put a foot wrong necessarily most of the games that he played last year, but Whenever you have the the, the crowd of of uh, forty five thousand watching a Frank DeBoer team, as we see, that has a lot of pressure on the front, like the fresh uh, the front office gets that pressure, and and then you have to find somebody on the field to, to point that frustration to is Breck Shea, and I just thought it was, I, I've always been a fan of the guy or apologist, whatever you want to say, <laughs> but like I felt. I felt like it was poetic justice in a way. It really sucked to watch him score against us, obviously, because I didn't want us to lose that game. But it seemed like poetic justice in Mercedes Benz um, to to score that goal, that that winner against us, that goal he only, never got for us, right? The only thing that would have made it better was if fans were in the stands for him to not. I don't know that he would have, you know, made a big deal out of it, but. I'm sure he heard the words that were spoken about him and how much you know the fans didn't like him. It, it's it's one thing to score in an empty stadium against the team you used to play uh, play for, but to do it with fans in the stands, it's yeah. got to be just a little bit sweeter, you know. Yeah, yeah I, sure. I think, I mean, Breck. I know he's put up with criticism like his whole life. It seems like he's always been, you know, especially more on the edge, City, right? Yeah. Well, he's just he. I mean, you see the posts on social media, you look like the way he's dressed, like the way he dresses, you know, people are going to be on top of him about that. Parachute pants, man? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just (laughs) no matter if if people ever, you know, try their own flag that's against what is the the status quo, you know, you're going to get criticism and he's probably just had it bounce off. He probably doesn't give a crap. But I mean, yeah, would I, would I want Black Shay in there? I, I don't think... It just, it just, I don't think it makes us any better. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of questions surrounding the front office because I, and I wanted to bring this up with you guys because I I didn't know how exactly to, I don't know how to really, because you can view this club as successful from the fans' point of view, which 2017, 2018, I think most people would look at as successful from the fans' point of view. 
and the front office for the most part. You look at 2019, and while, yeah, on paper it looks like it was a great success, we all know the the, the drama and, and, the, and the turmoil that was going on behind the scenes and how much the fans didn't like the style of play, yet we were one game away from hosting MLS Cup again, and we won two, two trophies. Now, one of those trophies I'll set aside in Campionas Cup because it's a one-off. U.S. Open Cup, you can – Look, it's still a trophy. It is what it is. But you can still put an asterisk around it because a lot of these teams don't really care about it until, oh, look, we're, we're far into this tournament. Let's take it seriously now. At least that's the the the, the appearance from the outside. Um, I, I While you can look at it as successful, you look at this year and you look at last year from a fan's perspective, and it's not so – obviously not so successful. But from the club's perspective, you've – found a way to turn pity around and sell him off for, for a profit. You're, you're probably going to do the same thing with Barco and you're not going to get nearly what you wanted out of them over the course of the, for, you know, for what you paid for them. You didn't buy pity to then sell him for, I, I want to say maybe 3 million in profit, maybe to, after you part off what you have to part off. Um, Barco I'd imagine goes for a little bit more money, but either way, those are moves that you had to make because Given the the circumstances, given given the way that Pity's playing and how he's not really he's not being the factor that I think that everyone wanted him to be, and Barco sort of in this, is in that same boat, although he's more of a factor. Um, you know, you, you take your chance and pull the trigger when you, when the opportunity is right. But I, I, while the club might see that see that as a success, I I still can't. I'm like, you still missed on Pity. I think I think. I, I like that we have Barco. I wish we could get more out of him. Um, and if you sell him more than it, it's it's weird because you're not gonna you're not gonna get the same sort of respect in terms of the the sale and 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 the overall time in in Atlanta that you got from Miggy or even a, a Joseph if you had sold him or or even Gressel. And those are guys that that you know Gressel specifically. You didn't know what you had in him when you got him and. You knew what you were going to get in pity. You knew what you're going to get in Barco, and and you'd probably consider Gressel both a better success. Well, yeah, maybe I don't think it's a stretch. Gressel's probably probably a better success um, over Barco or Pity every day of the week to basically every fan in terms of the production, the 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 what he meant to the club, what he meant to the fans, all that stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy because I don't know how to. Well, I get the the the. The reason I bring it up is because it seems as though the the club could manage to do this over and over and over again and be considered a successful club, but never, I guess, put the pieces together in the sense of, of you know, when it comes to the play on the field to be to to continue winning trophies. I guess I don't know. I think winning on the field is and winning trophies is the main thing. For the fans, um, for the fans, for the but also for the club. I mean, you can you got to remember it's it's a business. So at, at being a yeah. business, all, all you're really worried about is at the end of the day turning the profit. Sure, all the other stuff is is nice, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's sort of almost like a really 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 good plus. It's the no. greatest of pluses. No, I disagree. I think because the the business, yes, you obviously want you want to be financial sol- financially solvent, and you want to you want to turn profit. Absolutely, I don't think you can turn the profits that we're looking to turn profits for the profit margins that we can get without winning games. And plus, yes, we're a business, but Warsaw is you know we're a professional soccer team. So the the main goal of it is winning games and winning trophies. Uh, I don't think you can't. 
Like I go, you know, when people are talking about Arsenal, well, they never won anything recently. And then someone's flashing around a positive balance sheet at the end of the season. That's not a success. That's not what the fans see. Um, And it's not what, you know, we're in MLS. We don't get relegated. You know, it's very hard to, you have to really mess up big time to, to lose your club and to be financially unviable now uh, because there's so much parity in the league and they've, they've, and they've built it that way purposefully. So no, I winning is definitely the main thing, but they're not going to bankrupt themselves trying to do that. And right. It's, it's a weird balance too, whenever you're trying to grow the league, because certain things beget the other, right? I, I saw a stat today because if you guys have been watching or paying attention to Philadelphia, they have a youngster U.S. men's national team, like hopeful or, you know, one of our great attacking midfielders in our youth and Brendan Aronson, who's been tearing shit up with, with Philly, who's about to go, I think, if I'm not mistaken, going to go play for RB Salzburg and then probably eventually go play with uh, Tyler Adams at Leipzig in a couple of years. But I think they said that was the 10th transfer is what I saw. The 10th transfer from MML, from MLS to Europe this year. Really? Wow. To- Compared to six com- from Mexico, Argentina, and I don't think Brazil. I think like Mexico and Argentina and somebody, some other country combined. So like MLS is getting a lot better in, in exporting. And I think that's going to continue, right? Because I completely understand what you're talking about, Eric. I, I get both sides of you guys' arguments where I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not saying the team isn't going after wins. I just, I think the it seems as though the priority is more and fine if the priority is more on 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 the sale of these players fine, uh, but I, I I don't know it, it, I just I, I maybe I'm just questioning the picks themselves like what did you see in pity I went back and watched some of his tape and I just I just sat there I'm like what what exactly did you I'd love to know love to sit in that room where you guys were sitting there looking to offer him money and I want to know what you saw in him Barco is obviously a lot more promise but I. I guess more than anything, I'm questioning the the the, per, the the choices they're making in terms of how they replace the success uh, on the field in the past. How they how they're replacing the performance on the field from 2017 2018 with what they have now, and 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 how I think that ultimately those are misses. Well, but I, I think you could believe two things at once. I I, I don't. I think you can <laughs> see Ron Pena in the trap, sir. I think he's getting a little, probably a little worked up from, uh, <laughs> from Eric, but, um, and Percy, Percy, correct me, is Uruguay is the third country. So Uruguay, Argentina, and uh, Mexico combined only have six exports to, to Europe. So I think you could believe, I think two things can be true, right? I think that the front office could have missed on Petey, but at the same time, it being not Petey's fault. Like, I feel like he was a man without a country in my opinion. And I've said that before on the show where I think he's a very talented player. We saw shades of it. I felt like we saw shades of it throughout the season, especially considering the caveat of the pandemic at all start and stop the restart. The MLS is back. You, you were not playing. We are playing. I, I thought his work ethic was great. I thought that he was, you know, he had some blunders like the trip in, in Orlando, but I mean, it's not the worst thing that we've seen from this team. I don't think. And uh, he definitely looked like he was a player coming into his own, but again, he was a player without a kind of like, this is a front office. And, and this goes back to that argument. I think it was uh, Nico or um, is it Nico Gonzalez Perez um, was talking yeah. about whether or not you buy tra- like 
do we bring in a manager first or we bring in a DP first? And I don't understand the thought process of not having a manager in place and bringing in a player, especially like PD. Like it's one thing if you're not a salary capped league, a DP, like with the, with the crazy structure that we have, like it's, it's one thing if you're looking to bring in a big name as like a PR stunt at a big team or in a big league, but here, like, it doesn't make sense to me to splash the cash, to take one, one of three precious spots to sign a guy who might not fit into the next manager's plans. And then it might be a uh, hampering to both, both the club and the player. And, and again, to no fault of his own, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to, I, I don't look at, I, I look at it as a success for us to get a profit at that point. I, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, so I feel like if, you go back to this situation we're at. Okay, so we know Almoron's going, so we have to have a, a replacement for an Almoron. So we can't, and just like, I'm sorry, not an Almoron replacement. Didn't mean that. Just like another deeply. We need to pay some guard. We need to bring in some highly skilled playmaker who can help us provide assist to Joseph, receive the ball from the back, and just, you know, try and run the midfield in attack. Uh, and we know we want to go with attacking players because they make the most money. So in hindsight, when you're the front office and you're looking at all these um, South American players, uh, because that's where you're looking at for your value, why why would you not look to bring in the um, the most celebrated player at one of the top clubs in the Superliga? I mean, so and Eric, I love that you no, yeah, have well, totally. St- you're you're not. To, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I love that you've ahead, totally ahead. stuck to your guns throughout this whole time. I've heard you talking like not been a fan of PD this whole time. And to be honest with you, I don't think he was the success that we thought he was going to be when we brought brought him into Limitless. I, I honestly, I don't. I saw the highlights too. There were some cool things there. It wasn't that great, but I do feel like when they made that decision there was a lot of evidence for it but it just it just didn't pan out like we wanted it to i do want to say that thing i did that threw out on twitter was the dumbest thing i've ever done on my podcast ever <laughs> ever, ever. So, somehow, we got dragged, thing, somehow we got dragged into it the too. dumbest thing i've ever done on that podcast yeah. I, the sense of like i still i i still don't think pity was a great choice for atlanta united i still question what the thought process was but <laughs> the way I went about that, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but look, it, it's it's more so, uh, you know, you didn't want to put the blame on – no one wanted to put the blame on 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 the front office last year when, when it came to Frank DeBoer, when it came to, you know, pity struggles early on, when it came to the surrounding supporting cast. And it seems like now, well, now that it's incredibly obvious and staring you right in the face, everyone's like, all right, well, front office, what did you do? What What, what are you doing? And that's, I think it's a fair criticism, but I think it, the criticism should have started last year with Frank DeBoer. If you're going to – everyone talked about Frank DeBoer out, Frank DeBoer out, and we all remember the 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 drama that ensued after after everything, you know, after all that. But but no one pointed the finger at, at the front office for making the picks, for 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 not bringing a, a better supporting cast. And maybe Pitty could have been a better player had he had the – the because I think Pitty is a, a, a great piece to the, to the overall puzzle. I don't think he – is going to be a, a star player for any team he's ever on. I think he's going to be a great player for a team that's already kind of loaded, which is exactly what he had at River. 
So yeah. it's not like it's it's not a mystery that he comes here at, is told that you're going to be the guy. Um, you're going to be the guy that we we need to count on that we we depend on to to you know be productive and and create and this that and the other. And when he can't do it by himself, or when he doesn't have a proper supporting cast to do it by to a proper supporting cast to do it, you know, to do it successfully over the course of a year and a half or whatever it's been, um, I you, you can't be surprised. It's it's the decisions of players post Paul McDonough that have been just very surprising and just very not alarming, but it's just I I, I can't. Before I looked at the players that this club brought in and thought, okay, let's see how he fits. Let's see how he's, how successful he can be. This guy, we don't know anything about him. He comes to Atlanta United and all of a sudden he's a star like Yamila Saad, like Julian Gressel, like Joseph Martinez, like, you know, everyone else you can possibly think of. Uh, but you don't, you don't, even with Moreno, this, this new signing that, that we've got coming in, it looks like um, you can't, know for sure what you're going to get out of these guys. You you really couldn't know for sure at before, but you had more confidence about the type of players you were bringing in, about the type of quality you were bringing in, about the type of production and the, the overall impact. You, you, now you just don't know because it seemed as though Paul McDonough was the guy that was, that was really influential in making some of these decisions. And it seems like right now the club is kind of at a loss when it comes to the players are bringing in. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, uh, there's a lot of, a lot to address in the trap but Richard Gordon said earlier on uh he said how much of those hits were influenced by Tata I know you're giving a lot of credit to Paul McDonough but like how much again like Tata coming in before the team ever took the field and being able to shape some of that and influence some of that uh that lineup and work with Paul McDonough I mean to me Marcelino Moreno could be a great player uh honestly the jury's gonna be out because we Stephen Glass is not our Thank God. I'm sorry, but he's not going to be our permanent manager. Um, he's been frustrated. Like his team sheets have been frustrating to uh, to understand from my standpoint. But um, again, like it, could could we be stuck with a man without a country with, with Marcelino Moreno coming in and not having a, a manager that fits his identity? And then, um, you know, are we going to get to a point where the players that Carlos Bocanegra has played on a team with are too old for us to sign. Like, like Kubo, like Kubo Torres, that was one of his former teammates, right? Wasn't at a Houston Dynamo. And I don't know. I, I, I question a lot of, a lot of Bocanegra's decision-making, I think. Um, but then again, I don't know how much of that decision-making is him versus Darren Eels. Like how much of that's done by committee, but between the two of them, I mean, you even look at, you even look like the Heinemann uh, deal where you're giving a guy who's, who's relatively unproven for the most part, a million dollars, close to a million dollars a year. And now he, we're at the point now where, where Heinemann clearly isn't worth that much. You, you can consider that to an extent a miss, um, because not because he's absolutely terrible on the field. He's fine. He's serviceable, but he's not worth the money that he's getting. It could be, you know, that could be put towards a different player, a, a, a player that would pr- produce more on the field than, than Heinemann is. Yeah. So, I mean, real quick, just to Ronald Pena's point, he's saying if you delegate player recruitment to your coach, you'll get the players that fit the identity. Thank you for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. So, Paul McDonough is the the capologist, deals with all the contracts and stuff. Bocanegra and his team, they're the ones who identify the type of players and the talent that they want. So Paul McDonough made 
figured out all the TAM and the GAM and all the salary structure. But I don't think Paul McDonough's the one that out scouting players and say, oh, we should go after this guy. I mean, I feel like he's probably brought in towards, you know, towards the end of the decision-making process saying, well, we can probably get this guy for this, this guy for that. But I don't think he's on a technical basis saying like, well, this guy seems fast. He'll probably work with this guy. I think that's, that's Bocanegra's job. And fuck at, at this point, give Joe Patrick a job. He plays enough <laughs> a football manager to know who these guys are. Get him a Paul McDonough, get rid of Bocanegra. Joe Patrick's in there doing the scouting for player recruitment. Get him a capologist and say, go and grab these guys. Right. So, I mean, so it's Lucy Rushton who, who's the, the data analyst, right? So she's the one who's like scouting, trying to go through the databases and figure out what players fit the profile that she's been asked to, to give. Um, I think that the, the only thing is you cannot control the timelines of when players are going to be available. So you could have, like we could be tracking a player right now who we think is is the bomb. We think he's going to fit the problems. And then then the manager comes in and says, the new manager comes in and says, oh, yeah, that guy's great. I'm glad you thought of him. You should absolutely pick him up. Oh, he's already gone to Barcelona. So you don't know when the timelines are going to work up. Absolutely, I agree. In an ideal world, we would get the manager in first. Absolutely. But that's just not realistic all the time. And the other thing is the reason why we have a technical director is so we can still get the same uh, player profile and try and keep some consistency in the player profiles we're trying to bring in. So, you know, Bocanegra, yeah, he may have picked up Jake Mulraney. Well, he's fast. I've yet to see anything from him. He's picked up the Hyman. I don't understand the hi- why Hyman is getting paid that much. Um, I can't wait to see the salary structure when that comes out finally, but it probably won't be till. Uh, October when the transfer window ends, but he also, you know, he also got, um, he also picked Julian Gressel. He also picked Miles Robinson at the draft. So he's he's had a ton of success. And John Gallagher, where well, and John Gallagher, and you know, helped picked out the the rest of the seventeen eighteen team. But now with a huge turnover, and we all are so over it by now everyone just hates talking about it we've had a global pandemic i mean the the choices are kind of limited with what we've what we've had so i i i don't know that giving the keys of the manager in terms of player select or player recruitment i guess is is the greatest i'm tr- i'm trying to think of a of a current example because you don't want I feel like that's a that's a recipe for for for, for problems. But what I, what I think the bi- the bigger question is if Bocanegra's at the at the at the head of this now, um, maybe his his it's not so much an issue, but maybe the thing is that he he can't find the he could not find the players, or, or didn't really know how to spot the players that Frank DeBoer was looking was looking after, mm-hmm. or was was what wanted, and it was easier, or maybe he had a better eye for the type of talent that Tata wanted. Uh, because Tata said over and over again, he, he like he had nothing to do with a lot of Miggy, obviously, but he had nothing to do with the selection of a lot of these players. Right. Uh, but everyone knew that what Tata, what his style of play was, what he wanted to put on the field. Everyone knew exciting, dynamic soccer, up and down. You know, 
what was it one four three or something like that that that's that's the thing they were going after um it, it very could well be that that the, the shift in in tactics the shift in, in overall philosophy that um that that just didn't really vibe you didn't vibe well with with Bocanegra and and, and it could be part of the reason Frank DeBoer is out as early as he, as he is, because I don't, to me, it didn't make too much sense that he got, he's, he, he was kind of shown the door as early as he was in the season. I thought for sure they'd give him the rest of this season, but when you go over in the, in, in a tournament. Yeah. That, well, as as back, as, you can't really. Yeah. As soon as you've lost the mentality of your players, I mean, there's, there's no way back from that. You can't, you know, I remember, Ian Holloway at Crystal Palace, he's like, I've lost the locker room, so I'm just going to quit. Um, you you just can't go back from that. There's there's no way. The resources you'd have to put in to try and change that, you know, and the time, you just don't have a timeline to do it. And the easiest thing is to, well, I mean, it's one guy. Just cut the guy. But it's, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. I think the the jobs at Boca Negra, um, Darren Eels and the whole front office is extremely hard to do. And well, what we did was 1718. I mean, Paul McDonough was interviewed and he said, we basically caught lightning in a bottle. We had the perfect storm that everything worked out. It was just like the Patriots beating the Falcons in the Super Bowl in the second half. Absolutely everything worked out. Every ball bounced the way just needed to just for us. Um, so I think you've got to take that into account as well. And now it's now it is difficult. I mean, we're in a it's a tough position. Um but you know, you just kind of gotta I, go. I, with I, it. I mean, I guess my issue is that the you, you change the entire philosophy and 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 when I, I don't know. It, it, there's there's it's a it's a multivariable issue because you lost Mickey, who was at the center of 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 everything you were doing. And so when you lost him, you had to completely change everything. You, Change, change the philosophy of the team going forward. Um, I don't think Frank DeBoer was the first choice because I don't think Pity thought he was playing for Frank DeBoer um, when he got signed. Right. No, I agree and, with that. So it's it's that that I think is a big one. I think I think if 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 Pity knew who he, what he was signing up for in Frank DeBoer at least, I don't know that he would have made the same decision. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he was looking to get out of River anyway. But I, I don't. That that I that I'm fairly not fairly confident, but that I think is 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 was an issue. Um, that Pity did not realize, did not think he was going to be playing for Frank DeBoer, and I don't think Atlanta United thought that he was that Frank DeBoer was going to be the guy in 2019. Uh, which fine, have a better backup, I guess. But the the two years playing a specific way and then shifting it right after that, um, that was probably the biggest mistake that I think that the front office made. And I don't know if they had a choice. That's I'm, I'm curious to know what other names were on that page or on that list to kind of move on from Tata. But Yeah. I mean, that's Ron Pena saying uh, Tata gave a list of coaches to replace in the front office didn't use that list. I mean, I want to circle back real quick, Dan, you say that Paul McDonough was saying that with, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle in 17 and 18. It's it's funny because I haven't really thought much about Paul McDonough except, you know, looking now, that Miami team looks like they're gonna be pretty damn good in the next year. Like in the next I'm year. Pretty, I'm half. pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's had a, a big say in the in the players they brought in. So I mean it doesn't seem like a coincidence. Like right. if you look at Paul McDonough like building the initial structure of this Atlanta United team and how good they were, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's lightning in a bottle. I mean, you look at that team down in Miami. 
I looked at like beginning of the year, I was thinking they were going to be good. And then they started ta- like, you know, they're tanking, trying to get together, you know, again, the season's wash, but the way that team plays is scary. They're young. They have some great DPs. I mean, they got Gonzalo Guayin coming in, who is, I mean, one of the best strikers that we've seen on the world stage and in, in European soccer, especially in the past, I don't know, 10 years. And uh, if, if he can play half as well as he did, aside from whenever his stint at Chelsea, I don't think was very successful. But other than that, I mean, if he can rep- replicate his form, even 75% of what he did in Serie A at Miami, like they're going to be one of the best teams in the East. Yeah, they're going to be great. Um, and I, I, I'm, Orlando wasn't that bad either. They were scoring goals. They're at least fun to watch, I think. Yeah. They weren't. They didn't, weren't doing a lot of winning, but at the very least, they were. They were making the games competitive, competitive, and and fun to watch. The players on the field were. They were players on the field. Yeah, they were players <laughs> on the field. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys real quick. I had a conversation with a buddy at work. Um, so we we're talking about some of the ups and downs, mostly downs of this team recently. Um, you know, one of the scapegoats this season, I think, and you guys have touched on is Emerson Hindman, a, a, a guy who we spent a lot of money of our salary cap on, uh, upwards of almost a million dollars a year, right? And in, in salary cap spent on uh, on Hindman. I don't think it's I don't think it's salary cap. I think that's how much that's his contract. His it's salary cap. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think his salary. Like, I don't think his cap would, would hit that much. I think it'd be like. Yeah, that's that. fair. I I don't understand this thing. <laughs> I need somebody to make a trade machine like they do with the NBA on ESPN.com, so I could sit and try and work out all of the. So I can just plug players in to see if they fit in, if, it, yeah. if we're in breach of uh, the stuff. But a question like Emerson Hyndman for for all the slack that he got, he was a player that was pretty sure footed on the ball. I felt like last year, I th- felt like he was in control whenever he had the ball. I felt like he, uh, I, I I just felt like he wasn't he was a spectacular player, but I didn't think that I thought he was fine. But this year, he was the player who I don't think it was ever confirmed, but I think everybody discerned that he got COVID. He looks winded out there. I was going to ask you guys if you felt like maybe he is still recovering, even from like a conditioning standpoint, because he looked like he kind of looks slack-assed the last time I saw him out on the field. Um, And I feel like he's not as quick as he was. I feel like he gets gassed really quickly. And I know that's one of the things, even the healthier people that contract COVID, um, that could be like a long-term or whatever you want to say, like a lasting effect of, of the disease is the lung capacity being uh, affected. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like just Emerson Hyman is the player who he is. I, I don't I don't know that he he was never the quickest. He was never the, the best. I, I think that he was brought in to sort of be the Nagby replacement and and maybe kind of fill those shoes whenever whenever Nagby did leave. Um in theory, obviously that's not how that that's worked out. But I think I, I I feel like there was some sense of, and I have nothing to back this up. But I feel like there was some sense of like, well, we'll bring in Emerson. He's young. He's 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 you know he's had some European experience, which I'm so over the European experience at this point. Um, you know, we'll play it. We'll 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 sit him beside Nagby, and and they'll play, and he'll watch, and they'll he'll learn, and maybe he'll get the gist of, of what Nagby does that so well that that really helps Atlanta United. And then that just didn't pan out the way, it, the way it, you know, maybe the way that they hoped. 
uh, because he's not worth the money that they're paying him. Um, no. Good on no, Hyman, no. good on his agent for getting that money, but he's not worth the money they're paying him. Um, that money could be better spent somewhere else. Um, and and you know that again, that's another decision from the front office that you just look at and you're like, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, what did you yeah. see in Emerson yeah. Hyman that would well, that's, warrant that's, this? I mean, that's one of the problems with any whatever you would call it, repatriation uh, is is always going to be that salary bump, right? I mean, that's I think that's a big reason. Like, even if you look back at like how bad Bobby Wood was at uh, Hanover, or was it um, was it Hanover that he was playing for, or Heimberg? And everybody was talking about him coming back. They're like he's making way too much money and those players aren't going to take pay cuts to come back over here and not be DPs, but they're not good enough to hit that DP level. But yeah. And that's, I, I mean, I, I was hoping I saw some, um, I saw some sparks from him that I thought, well, like if you look at Campionis cup or so he had, he had some really bright spots and I think he's a player who has a lot of quality, but like I don't know that he knows his position on the field, and I don't know if you know we know his position on the field. And he's making, to your point, he's making way too much money to be out there. Yeah, I, I mean that's just the thing we didn't know. I felt like he was a, he had better performances pre-pandemic. Um, nothing to like set the world on fire, but I felt like he was doing well. I thought he had potential for the future but from what i've seen now i mean no um i feel like you can say that about a couple of players on this on this team but that there's there's been so much change and so much turnover i mean and the you know we we had key players go out and to have them replaced as quickly as we did i mean this it's just not it's it's not fundamentally sound. I just feel like right now there's there's it, I, I talked about this on the podcast. I think uh, I don't know if it was me that brought it up or or Josh, but on on our podcast, multiple times we brought up that it just looks like Stephen Glass is running this team like an like it's an Atlanta United two team, like where there's just rotation for rotation's sake. There's no consistency, specifically in the midfield. There's nothing you can build off of game in and game out. Yeah, um, it's you know. He hasn't solved the middle midfield problem. Exactly, yeah. That's the biggest issue. And look, we can talk about Joseph Martinez being out, and sure, maybe you're doing a little bit better with Joseph Martinez in, but if you're if he's not getting any service, and I, you can't provide enough evidence for me to think that Joseph Martinez is going to have a, an in, enough of an impact in this year, uh, with the services been provided to say Kubo Torres and Adam John. I'm not. I think that obviously Kubo Torres is but put in a couple good positions. I think three to be exact. And I think Joseph Martinez traditionally does better in those positions. Adam John, I think maybe one or two where Joseph would have, would have done great, but those are one-offs. Those are, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of however many games Kubo has played, you know, it, it's like one really good chance that he's missed per game. So let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's count it as one goal. It's not like, it's not like Atlanta United is, is, you know, keeping clean sheets these days or anything like that. It, it's, it's, I don't know that this team does that much better right now with Joseph Martinez in the lineup. So it, it that to me has nothing to do with 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 the success or failures of 2020. Um, it would certainly help, that's for sure. But but the midfield, yeah, the midfield hasn't been solved, and I that I put on on Stephen Glass. Like I, you can't you can't sit there and keep rotating and rotating and rotating and not try to find something that just fits. Why mm-hmm. Kubo Torres isn't Kubo Torres is is the guy that should be starting up top. Adam John is a great substitute, a great, 
you know, 75th, 80th minute when it's, when it's, when it's tied and, and you need something and you're just kind of heave hoeing from, from, from the, uh, you know, from the flanks. I, I don't know why he's not starting game in and game out. Maybe it's a conditioning thing. I don't know. We obviously know Jurgen Dam is hurt. I wish he wasn't because I want to see more of him. Yeah. Um, I feel like Joseto is, is the guy that, that, that could help your midfield kind of attain some cohesive, you know, front to back, you know, a, defensive third to attacking third type of thing. But I, again, I haven't seen enough out of any of the guys in the midfield, enough consistency to, to have a, a solid opinion because you really can just rate individual performances. And when you do that, you're not really considering the, the unit as a whole. And, you know, that's, that's sure. You can look at the individual performances and think, Oh yeah, he had a great game. But when it comes to, you know, what that means over the course of, of, you know, 10 games, you really, you really can't say. Yeah. Uh, Matt Wisniewski in the trap poses a pretty uh, pretty good question. He said, can we accurately rate players with the lack of system we have right now? No. I don't think you can accurately rate players in a global pandemic. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, but I think you can rate, like, Gallagher. He's been solid in the minutes he's put in. He's he's giving you some uh, an attacking presence that you didn't, maybe didn't have before on that left side. Um, he seems to be a little bit more dynamic, a little more dynamic going forward. So look, you can rate him. You can consider him a a, a piece to the puzzle. Well, so well, I would keep. So let's let's go through let's go through the attack and midfield players, and let's see how many we keep and how many we get rid of. All right, so Eric Rometty, you keeping him? Keeping him. Keeping. Jeff Lorenowitz, you keeping him? Now, let's say this is going into next year. All right. So, assuming he doesn't retire. Right. So, keeping Rometty next year, 2021? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Keeping keep Lorenowitz? Unless there's a better option, but. Unless he's on like. <laughs> yeah. Unless he's on like 50 grand a year. Yeah. I'll keep him. Um, you're going to keep Emerson Hyman? Not if I don't have to. No. <laughs> so, let's say no. All well, right. the money—the money is a big deal because you got to—you got to find a way to get rid of the right. He's—he's he's like at nine hundred thousand dollars a year in his contract, whatever that salary cap is. It's too much for the player that he is. If he wasn't making that kind of money, if he was making, let's say, a third of that, you would take him in a heartbeat, right? Like as a as a luxury player, oh, yeah, sure. Off the bench, yeah. If he's maybe one hundred fifty thousand dollars and 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 he's not hitting the cap as hard, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. But the all amount right. of money he's making, no thanks. Right, it's not realistic. He goes to that. Right, he renegotiates his contract down to a you know no, sixteen. He's what he's making. He'll be an right. FC Cincinnati player. So we're getting we're getting <laughs> we're getting Jeez. rid of Hyman. All right, Rosetto. I, I haven't. I would keep him, but I haven't seen enough of him to really make a solid decision. I mean, he's at transfer markets got him at seven twenty five, so it's probably around you know. I mean, like, I, I, I feel them. like I feel like he's one of the players in the midfield that I've seen things out of that I like. Uh, it's just I agree. He, ha- yeah. he has he has shades yeah. of Nagby and the control and his willingness to accept the ball and come to the ball and try and track it down and try and spray the ball out and create space for other people. Like I feel like his positional awareness is um his his he's I feel like he's got a, a high soccer IQ. I like him in that yeah. midfield. Plus he got a much better haircut. So I'm keep, keep I, my, gut, my gut would tell me that I would keep him. I just, I mean, yeah, that's my gut. I don't think he's even a Tam guy, but we'll see. Uh, Mo Adams. No. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we keep him. Castro. No, I, I haven't seen send, enough. Send right. him back. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> keeping Castro. 
I mean, if there's anyone there that has a reason to keep Castro, let me know. But I, I, I don't cut see that it. one. Cut Jake, that one. Jake Mulraney. Nope. I'm not keeping him either. I'll take Breck Shea over Jake Mulraney. And I know I have my biases from 10 years ago, but. I thought he was younger than he was, but it's not. He's 25, right? 26. Yeah. 20. Well, Transfer Mark says 24. So I don't know. I feel, like he's, I feel like he's more serviceable than I think most people give him credit for. I'm not. I. It depends on what other options are out there, I guess. I guess it depends I on what guys. It, I would agree with you guys. You could probably find a better option. But Jake, if we keep Moraney, he's bench. He is sure, bench depth. Sure. And that's sure, it. Sure. Yeah. He is not even as good as Kevin Kratz. They're, they're different players. Um, all right. So you keep him Barker? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Assuming he's not sold or anything. Yeah. I'm, all right. Keeping Dam. Sure. Keeping Gallagher. Yep. And I guess Tyler Wolf. He's 17. I'm so indifferent about Tyler Wolf that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, is he on loan from the twos? I don't know. Actually, Again, another guy, another guy, another guy, we've seen him in one game. Like, come on. What can you really say about Tyler Wolf? Yeah. There's so many of these like young Academy players too, that we have like been fed this expectation of. And, you know, if you're talking about, obviously George Bello panned out, Andrew Carlton, the, the, well, that's another guy, right? Andrew Carlton's out on loan. Do you bring him back? And do you, do you I, try I, to see what you can get out of him? I would. I think, I, I, I think I, that he's a player this team needs right now. I would put him in the midfield like day one. I would, yeah. I would make him and him and Jose, him and Joseto, I would put into the midfield and I would say, you know what? We're going <laughs> to figure it out. We're going to figure it out with you two in this mix somehow. Would it be Rosetto? Rosetto, Mar- um, Marlino, and uh, C- Carlton. Yeah, midfield three. Yeah. All right. So just to finish this thought, I don't know. What you I'm not keeping it. Torres. I may be keeping Adam Yan. I want to see. I'm going to let him go. And you wouldn't want you wouldn't want Kubo Torres as a backup to Joseph Martinez. I know that's not not, not on the salary he's making. Uh, okay. Because I mean, I would pick Adam John. I feel like Adam John was the guy that we thought Kenwin Jones was supposed to be like that. Like mm-hmm. to your point, Eric, bring him in in the 75th minute. Yeah. Get physical with the tired back line and try and hoof balls up to him if you need it. And I feel like, yeah, um, I would keep him. 12, 13, 14. Okay. So out of 14 players in midfield and attack, we're going to keep eight of them. So that's, you know, that's six players we're, we're shipping out. And that I feel that. That's pretty big turnover again for next year, which is fine. Uh, but I just feel like to, I feel like we've got the bar, a lot the bar of is, the bar is so low right now. The bar gotta, is so low, and I feel like the 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 positions that we have players in, especially in the midfield, the positions and the 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 way we want them to play and the positions we want them to play are too big for all of them. Maybe I would take. Would not say Rosetto, but they're too big for all of them. Remedi are you not including Heinemann? Or no, sorry, not including um, Brooks Lennon in the attack. No, I'm. He's a. He was actually listed keep, as a defender. I would keep Brooks. Oh, absolutely. Like, I see him more as an attacker. I, I like Brooks Lennon. Um, yeah, I but he's. That, uh, go ahead, Dan. He, oh, he's a you know more of a wing back, left back, but he's a defense. Technically, a, de- a defensive player, even though he's not. Yeah, I um, just think that's a lot. And to to Eric's point, like, I feel like we've got 2018 depth as our starters, and then we've got 
ATL two players. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. And look, I, I said it when when MLS is back, when Frank DeBoer was doing some strange stuff to the lineup. I go, look, are we taking this thing seriously? Or are we not? If we're not, fine. I yeah. can roll with it. I can sit there and play, you know, seventeen year old Tyler Wolf and and you know and see what he what he gives you. I'm, I'm all about recalling Carlton and throw him into the wolves and see what he does. Mm-hmm. But if we're taking it seriously, let's like let's pretend like we're taking it seriously. And and you know, it, it just seemed like Frank DeBoer wasn't taking that tournament seriously. It it, it seems now that like I, uh, Stephen Glass to me is is the personality is everything you want in a manager. He's he's incredibly upfront, incredibly honest. Um, no beating around the bush. He's not going to BS you with his answers. He's going to just tell you straight up what I do or don't know. And, you know, I'm going to answer the question as honestly and as, as forthright as possible, which is exactly what you, as a fan, which is exactly what you want at, at your manager. But my goodness, this, this kind of miss and mix and match stuff that he's doing with, with the midfield specifically. And, and with the lineup as a whole, it just seems very strange and very, very much in the, in the, in the same vein as ATL UTD too. And I don't, I don't want to say this, but it could be that that could be what at what the front office is looking for. They're like, you know what? Run it like you would ATL UTD too. Find us, find us the next diamond in the rough. Find us the next Julian Gressel. Find us the next Miles Robinson. Um, obviously, not the not at the not at the uh, uh, not at the expense of, of trying to get wins. You obviously want wins, which I. It's not that I don't think they're trying to win. They are, but the 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 patterns that you see are very much the same as the as those that you would see with the lanyard too which is not the greatest optic for 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 the fans at least because it, it again lanyard too doesn't necessarily care too much about wins they care about you know trying to develop you know the kids into mls quality starters and stuff like that and you know we're 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 in mls trying to to get wins and trying to hopefully getting to the playoffs and, and, you know, the pipe dream being that we get to MLS cup again. I don't know. But <laughs> it, it, consistency in the midfield. That's all I really want. That's all I want. Just give me the guys you want to go with and let's go with them. Yeah. You right. know what, Eric, like you, you talk about Frank DeBoer and being experimental with the lineups down in, down in Orlando. And it, I think it kind of lends credence to Ron Panyasing in, in his opinion, Bocanegra making those switches in the lineup. And it kind of makes sense to me. Maybe I need to walk back my Stephen Glass comments because if you look back at Bocanegra that he was down there pointing out tactics with Jeff Lorenowitz down there in the dugout or the whatever, the bus stop benches. And yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the direction. It, 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 was that you, Dan, that said that? Maybe that's it's coming from above that or one of you two. It's coming from above, and maybe it well, is. No, I, 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 yeah, I said that. It, look, I, I have no way of knowing this, but maybe it is something that's coming from the front office. Maybe it's something that they're just like, Stephen, do do what you do with the United too. You got a different set of players. Try to write the ship. Yeah, I mean, well, plus there's not. I mean, there's no pressure on Glass. I mean, there's pressure no, no, from the fans, but not. I mean, it's not like they're gonna fire him. Why right. not write out the players that you think you have a future with as opposed to toying with a lineup? Like, like there was even, I'm trying to remember which game recently where Bello didn't start on the left side. And I was just like, what, why is this happening? They keep mentioning stuff like, uh, like, like fitness and, and, you know, load management and stuff like that, which I can understand because you have a game every four days or whatever it is. He's 18 years old. I get it. He's injury prone, but at the same time, it's, it's very obvious. I'm not a part of the front office. I'm not a part of the training staff. 
that's just what they're telling. That's just what they tell people. Or that's what they told the media. That's what the media is kind of. I mean, it seems there. kind of bogus. All right. We haven't really recapped the the Miami game at all. I, I, I want to stick to like positive things that you guys saw on the field on Saturday, if there were any. Um, I mean, Dan, like what positives could you pull out? We've talked about Gallagher a little bit. What other positives could you pull out of that game that like we can pump up the true 17s with and um, yeah, and, and try and get some sort of positivity going into whatever the rest of the season looks like for us because we're so, not out of playoff distance. Um, yes, Joe Johnston, that is a Glen Cairn. It's all I drink my whiskey out of now. Um, oh, so yes, um, John Gala, great, loved it. Uh, he's, he's awesome. He's someone to build on. Um, you wonder if Jackson Conway would potentially look to want to come up into the, to the senior team. I'm not sure. I think we can do that with supplemental spots. But anyway, I think that's more on in his decision on what he wants to do. I mean, there were bites to my I remember watching the game and I was like, this is kind of inter- entertaining to watch um, in parts of it. You know, it's just the the bad parts that seem to overshadow the good, but there were areas of it that I, that I liked watching. Um, I remember when as soon as Miami scored the first goal I was like okay well here we go again and then when we scored the equalizer it's like oh yes finally they've turned it around they're so much more energetic and they were going after it they were going after the game um but it's like you know you get make these stupid errors that lead to a Breck Shea scoring a goal because that's all he can do is just score off complete awful errors and garbage um and uh, and then it all sorts of falls apart and then it just kind of reminded me of the um 2018 game against Toronto where we're just trying stuff and nothing's working um and trying not to get turned over so i mean no, nothing really specific kind of jumps out at me tim it's just kind of i think that and the falcons have really sort of <laughs> made me not so positive like, on the look of Atlanta like, United right now. I don't like sports in 2020 at all. Uh-uh. There's not much to like, even even with them coming back. I mean, Liverpool won a title. We can all be on board with that, right? I mean, that's would be freaking do. <laughs> but they kind of went it before the pandemic. Tim. That's true. I mean, that's very true. Should it we? Have, locked, it was locked up in December. <laughs> should we have had sports in 2020? Part of me is thinking it probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean LeBron's about to get another ring. <laughs> um, I I I do want to point out the that I feel like Bello and, and Gallagher might be a, a pairing to kind of uh, like the same same thing I talk about about the midfield. Gallagher and Bello on that left side and just go with it. Yeah. And see Dude, what it produces yeah. for you long term. Um, because it seems like they're kind of clicking, they're kind of on the same page. They're, you know, they they don't seem to get in each other's way and, and they kind of open things up for each other. Um, Bello is growing into his own. I think the, the thing that I, I was very upset with Bello, especially in, in MLS's back is his defensive work weight. And it's not that he was, he wasn't putting the effort in. It was, it was more look. So the defensive work rate, not the right word, but his positioning um, when the ball was on the opposite side of the field, you know, how he was helping the back line kind of transition between 
within turnovers in the middle of the field, stuff like that. And as the season has progressed, as we've seen more of George Bellow, I, I've seen less of those errors to where he is in a better position from the get-go as soon as that turnover is made um, to be in a better posi- position defensively than he was, say, in MLS's back. Because a, a lot of those, I think two or three of the goals that that we saw that were like, what the hell is going on? Uh, you can sort of put at the feet of of, of George Bellow and, and where he was positionally on the field, um, at least in my opinion. I've seen less of that. And so I, that's something I think to want to be positive about um, and to that hope that it, that kind of carries over because this is like, this is really the first year we're, we're gonna, we've seen Bellow in action game in and game out. Hopefully we continue to see more of them. Hopefully we continue to see him grow with, with, you know, with, with Gallagher or whoever's on the left side. But if he can be a, a, a fixture on this starting 11, then, you know, you've got him for at least five years just Absolutely. playing you at that position. Um, and that's what you want out of a young guy like George Bellow. Mm-hmm. I that's don't see him on this team in a year. Really? Already? Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I'd like to at least two years, Tim. I, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't take much time these days for uh, for a player, especially his age, his if his um, talent to make his way to Europe. I mean, Elliot Beaven says Bello the next Alfonso Davies, which I think we need to pump the brakes on a little bit because Alfonso Davies is the. According to transfer market, he's the second most valuable left back in the world. Or no, he's the most valuable. He passed Andy Robertson just because he's like six years, seven years younger. But um, I don't, I mean, again, look at Brendan Aronson about to go to Leipzig. Uh, if you look at Alfonso Davies, didn't play that much with Vancouver. You don't need to see a lot out of these players before they before you see him go. And to be honest, I mean, I think that, I, I don't know. I don't know that you, Eric, I would love to have him for five years, but I don't think that just knowing the way, um, you know, knowing the way that this league is going and the way that we're supposed to be developing and feeding players to Europe and uh, to other countries is, I, I, I just don't see him staying that long. And I, I honestly have a feeling he's going to be gone in the next year. I may be crazy, but. No, look, I, I, remember, the, I remember hearing the same things about Carlton. Clearly he's still here though. Um, yeah, but like, it, it, but if you look at the actual on-field product, sure, from yeah, no, much George better Bello in MLS better. I, at a younger age, he's scoring you goals from left back and I grant um, you that. Yeah, but to the to the Gallagher or to the Gallagher and Bello pairing, like because we saw Gallagher play left back at the, with the twos, right? I mean, th- those two can interchange on that left side, so one yeah. overlaps the other. I mean, they can make those runs and cover for each other too. Um, I. I, I love I that just, pairing. I would just hate to see the the promise a George Bellow has and and see him gone after next year or or next year. Because it would just it would be you 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 missed out on everything he could have been with Atlanta United. You had, you know, you had the the, the stupid year that is 2020, and you got nothing out of him last year, you got nothing out of him this year, not enough of him to, you know, right. His his, I his, get what you're his play is fantastic so far. Um, or at least as of now. But you're not gonna you're not gonna get much out of him in terms of trophies, in terms of you know things that are recognizable. I guess things are that are mementos or or big moments for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna remember that he was a player for Atlanta United, and that's about it. Well, Bello, I feel like he's got he's got to develop some more elements to his game. I mean, when you can compare him to to Alfonso Davies, I mean, Bello can be that slashing guy who's bombing up and down the wing, but 
I mean, he doesn't have the technical foot ability to, you know, have that to be able to take guys on and kind of weave in and out of around a block and score a goal. I mean, you go look at that, the best goal Alfonso Davies scored for Vancouver, where he's stepping in and out around a whole back line and slots it in the back of the net. So I think Bellow's got a fair amount of development to go yet. I'd be surprised if he's gone next year. I think he needs another two years. I mean, but I mean Tyler he, Adams only had 52 caps for for Red Bull or for, for New York Red Bulls. Brendan Aronson has 30-something caps. I mean, Alfonso Davies, I, I, hold on, I'll tell you real quick how many how many times he took the field for, for Vancouver. But those players are like, holy shit. Okay, seven, 65. He did play 65 games for them. Granted, but, he played but, for them for but, like But you also... I mean, Vancouver and Philadelphia Union don't have reputable academies like Atlanta United does. Because if you're a player like George Bellow or, you know, Fonzo Davis or Tyler Adams, you, you know, you're going to get the better training than you would um, at Vancouver and stuff. So I don't know. There's a, there's a ton of variables that to throw into it, but I hope to round, have him around for another two. That's my Look, like. I, I think we get rid of Miles Robinson before we do George Bella. And I think Miles Robinson, I think he's going to end up in Europe at some point, but I think he's still got a year or two left here before he truly hones his skill. Because look, Alfonso Davies was a, like, he was a, he was tuned up. He was ready to go. I was like, he's just waiting for the call from, from, from Europe to, to, to head over. Bello, I feel like, still has some, enough work to do where he's going to be here for a little bit. I'm not saying forever, but a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not five years, but I would like him to stay for five years. I could see Miles Robinson going to Germany. I could see him playing over there. I, mean, I don't. I could see him go to the championship. I feel like that could really develop him quicker if he can yeah. if he can hold on to it. I mean, he anchored my back line with um, with Reading last year in FIFA, so he did really <laughs> well. Yeah. He and Matt Miazga. Well, I did if, that, if, that, if, that if that doesn't say enough for you. I right, know. exactly. I, <laughs> I went and bought all the American like kids. Uh, That's just funny. dominated. Got back to the top. Um, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Aside, I mean, Franco Escobar got another yellow card, uh, which sucks. <laughs> he, I, Isn't he got one every game now? Something like that, yeah. I think uh, it's a little frustrating, but I, I liked some of the stuff I saw from Adam John. He's obviously instrumental, right, in that in the goal. Um, he, yeah. I mean, John was industrious. I mean, he was he. You could see he was trying hard. I feel like all the team is trying hard, but he could. But yeah, he was he was trying to make a nuisance of himself, and um, he. I mean, it's just you know, for order for him to get that perfect cross to score the goal that he can score. I mean, he's just trying to pull players away, but I mean, really they just know he's not a threat. Just the whole thing has gone from bad to worse since Frank, DeBoer. like under Frank DeBoer, you, you had, uh, you didn't have anyone. I'll, we'll start with Steven Glass, I guess is you didn't have this, this, these, this language from the coming from the locker room about how, you know, people aren't following, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and that by itself to me is like, 
it seemed not that not that the players would quit. I don't want to say that because that's not true. Because like you said, you can see the effort. You can see that they're trying. You can see that they they hate losing. Mm-hmm. But um, something's going on where where you know the players are just like, well, we're just waiting for the next manager. We hate this year and the season like everyone else does. And they're just trying to get through. They're just trying to get through this as as you know as quickly and as best as 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 possible. It just doesn't seem like there's there's a lot of joy in playing for Atlanta United right now. Yeah, no, there's, what, you can see that. that. It's not, yeah. but it's not just it's not just because of the losing. That's not it. it. Because you can you can you can still have a promising season and still have the problems that you had in the locker room. Look at last year, for example. But it's it's there's not a lot of joy in, in playing for Atlanta United right now for these players, and I think that I think that that more than anything, I want to hear the language change in the locker room, in the press conferences, and all that stuff because that stuff is that stuff really bothers the fans. Hearing that stuff um, from you know from from the club that you you know in a, in a short history. This is hashtag history, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> history we're missing. This is it. Yeah. But to hear that kind of language, you just you know. I know I'm ready as a fan, as someone that covers a team, I'm ready for that language to be done. Um, I'm ready for the team to move forward. And it seems like until we get that next coach, which I hope happens sooner rather than later, it's that's it's just going to be this for a while. At least for the rest of the season. So do you think, let's say, we get a coach in the next two weeks. Um, how many games have we got left now? We got six. Oh, I don't. I lose base two. I think if you can get him in early, I think it. I don't know that that really helps this year. I don't. I I just worry like if we got a coach in, and we play five or six games and we lose the same way. Out. Get him out. (laughs) When you know if Gabriel Heinze comes in and does all this losing, it's not going to be a fair comparison and the. Maybe the front office, I mean, this is wild speculation, but maybe the front office are like, you know, this year is in the tank. So let's just play it out with an interim manager and then we'll hire this guy or just say we won't start your contract until the new the new season so you can have a completely clean slate with the players, with the fans, which is a huge component because, you know, the managers have to deal with that and and with the, with the league. So I think it could be in the better of interests in the long-term future of bringing in a manager to just wait until the year's done to, to start him on the job. Yeah. My counter to that would be I'd, I, I would want him in as soon as possible so that he can start working with the players he has now, help build the chemistry that you want between your players and your coaches, um, and see what he does to kind of mix, mix, mix it up a little bit. I would rather get him treat get him in as early as possible. Treat the rest of the season that he's here for as kind of like a like a very very early preseason, um, mm-hmm. and start to kind of work at what he wants to do with his team, at least what he has available now, because that could change from now to next year. But to get that ball rolling, to get that started, because if if because I, I, I don't want to I, I personally, I don't want to wait until I don't want to wait until the next preseason for him to finally get his hands on this team. For, for him to finally be able to, you know, see what what you know this team looks like when it comes to his tactics in the play on the field, I'd rather him get started on that now, so that we don't have four or five games where we're like, "Is it working yet?" 
Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I would agree, but it's also it's the environment you're coming into. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what what's going to be the and maybe maybe that's a conversation that's already had been had. You know, we just. I'm surprised we haven't heard any rumors yet. Yeah. Well, how desirable is this coaching position? Uh, right yeah. now, I mean, that, that's you're try, an if you're trying if, if you're trying to resurrect your career, it's a pretty desirable one. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> Frank DeBoer just failed up probably into another one's uh, management a management appointment. So, I mean, remember Tata was sort of sort of in the same boat. Yeah, not nearly as bad as Frank DeBoer, but he was yeah. sort of in the same. I mean, boat. to Brian's point, he says, "What what coach is going to come in and fix this?" He said, "None." <laughs> he said, not this, be- "No, no, not this year. Yeah. Not this year. Not this year." Um. Yeah. I mean, to his point, nothing matters until Joseph is back. That's true because we put our eggs in his basket. So again, um, as he stop, goes, Elliot this- Beaven, stop. Just stop with that, Alan Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop. Um, you know, I, I know it's, I know it's not going to happen, but it does make me like a little bit of vomit comes into my mouth every time I see that name suggested for this job. What I do want to happen is, is Atlanta United make the playoffs. I know they're not far. I think they're. I think if they, I think they're with three points off off the uh, off the line. Yeah. Oh man, I, they're not very far off. It's 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 a matter of winning one or two games, and and they're right back into that conversation of of being a playoff team. Not that they're not now, but you know they're obviously not in the playoffs at the moment. But um, I would like them just to that. That's the only goal I would have as as an Atlanta United player is make the playoffs anything can happen after that um but keeping that streak alive would mean that you you worked for it and there'd just be it'd just be like a little thing we could hold over orlando's head so eric do you think we make the playoffs i don't know without knowing how many games <laughs> I, don't <know>. <laughs> I don't think so I, I don't see how this turns around. I I, I expected it to be worse than it was um, against Miami. Um, I just I don't see without a, a strong midfield. I don't see how this this team makes it. I don't know how they they go on winning games. Just getting results. Get a draw. Get a get a you know fight at the end at the death to get a win or something. I I don't know. I'm like I, I want to be optimistic. It's not like it's all pessimism from me, but it's it's just it's hard when you watch the kind of the, the musical chairs of midfielders that that Stephen Glasses, um, and then the language you hear out of the locker room and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I mean, if this is the stuff that we're we're you know we're we're witnessing. There's there's trends. This has happened in sports before, and the trend is never a good one. There, it's it's never a positive thing to hear. You know that players aren't doing their jobs, and um, you know that that the the thought that that Stephen Glass is is treating his team like treating the first team like in Lane United too, like it's it's a whole it's a mess. It's it is what it is. It's 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 the soccer version of 2020. So, <laughs> Tim, you think we make the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Really. I it's only gonna take a win or two, right? See, I, I mean, to our point, it's top ten only, this year, right? Top ten, so we are one point behind FC Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, it's FC Cincinnati. Yeah, but into Miami, uh, above us on goal difference. So, yeah, 
we have be- between we have into Miami between us and a payoff berth. Um, I don't. And just keep in mind, we haven't played any of like the good Eastern Conference teams. We played Orlando, who's in third right now, and that's really it. We haven't played Toronto. We haven't played NYCFC. We haven't played Philly. We haven't played well. We played Columbus, but um, right. Those are the teams we're going to see in the playoffs. Those are like the, the, the likely teams, as it stands now, the likely teams we would see, you know, in in the first round. So Dallas, we could potentially win that, but Dallas are kind of up on the up and up right now. I mean, I don't want to play them. And then nothing's ever good has been good coming going to Chicago. Look, I went into I, I went into Miami thinking it was going to be bad. I'm going into Dallas knowing it's going to be a bad, going to be bad. Yeah. Going to Dallas just expecting it to be a butt whooping. I do not think we are going to make the playoffs. I just don't see how we can turn it around. I think this season is done. Um, and I'm just looking forward to 2021 and the internet rumors of managers and players. That's what I'm looking forward to. So I guess I'm not a true 17. Can I, can yeah. I address, can I address a question that I just saw in the, in the, in the chat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Escobar, has anyone asked Eric who his new target is now that Tito and Pity are both gone? Can I take a guess? <laughs> sure, I don't have one, but go ahead. <laughs> um, I think it's either going to be, well, I feel, I feel like Torres is too easy. Um, I don't expect much out of him. Right. I think it's probably the whatever you be. get. Whatever you get out of Torres is is a plus. But I don't ex, I don't I don't go into I don't go into games thinking oh, you got to get the best out of. And the only reason I was so hard on Tito, like I, I I hate having to remind people of this. He was being. It was the same reason we're harsh on on Heinemann. If Heinemann, if Tito was getting paid one hundred fifty grand, I wouldn't have said anything about Tito because he's not getting paid the big mu- the big bucks. But Tito was a uh, Tito was a DP and taking up that slot. That he eventually lost, and then eventually got benched by Park uh, by by Tata. Yep, this is all and just he, pointing to Eric's future hate. Of he wasn't as productive as he as as we thought he was going to be, and he was taking up a DP spot. Yep. So Jurgen Dam, value pretty high. I'm sure he's got a good Tam contract. He's only scored one assist, only got one assist, no goals yet. I also can't really hate on anybody this year. I, there's really no one I hate. That there's, I, well, I don't. I don't Jürgen hate any players. Jürgen Dam's gonna be no around one, next there's year. No one really that I'm that I'm that I'm that down on that I'm like, bro, pick it up. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, Stephen Glass. Yeah. I want Stephen Glass to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing, I guess, to point in the trap. Gustavo Rodriguez from uh, Buenos Aires is saying, uh, soccer down here, home before dark, Sampra United and Mouse of the South might unite to make a great poll and find out who Atlanta United fans won as a coach because I don't see a clear trend. I think that's true. I, I mean, from, from my standpoint, I've seen different camps. I think the Gabriel Heinze camp might be the biggest camp of, of realistic candidates that I've seen on Twitter. You know, not the Pochettino uh, people, but... Yeah, I don't know who else besides uh, Gabriel Heinze um, and even Gallardo. I don't know if he's a realistic, um, realistic expectation at at manager. Well, if Pio gets fired, he will be a good candidate. Uh, yes, that's what I've been asking for the, the 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 front office to announce Pio for a few weeks now. Like it's time, like it's time to bring that man in. 
to where right. he's not ter- did you who i think it was rob Osri retweeted that that guy with no neck in the metro pcs store that was fighting with the clerk did you see that he looked <laughs> he's like Piojo's having a bad week it looked exactly it, you guys gotta <laughs> find that it looks exactly like it well i'm praying um, for bad uh club america results then yeah I think it's gonna. It needs to happen. Eric, thank you for uh, for joining us tonight, being so gracious on short notice to to hop into that third seat. Um, can you Happy tell to... people where they can find you, where they can find your works, where they can get aggravated and and frustrated and fired up about what you're what you're spouting over there? Happy to grace you guys with my mediocre presence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can find the podcast at MOTS Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Eric G Quintana on Twitter. Um, I think we're recording one on Thursday after uh, the SC Dallas match, which it's going to be an awesome one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Dan, where can they find you at on, on the social medias? You can find me at Dan JMS. Yeah. You can find me mostly on the, the home before dark Twitter. That's a uh, home B the number four dark. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in, making us a part of your uh, your Monday night ritual or your Tuesday afternoon. I don't know if anybody has commutes anymore. I'm sure it's very, very few now. But um, Atlanta traffic is back to sucking. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Okay. Well, good. That means our, our numbers should go up then. Uh, make sure to give you guys – make sure to give us a subscribe, a like, uh, rating, review on iTunes. Uh, we always appreciate it. It helps spread the word. Um yeah, I'm not good at closing this out. It's weird without Kevin, but I just want to say, <laughs> were you going to say something, Dan? Uh, Brittany's S, score predictions. Oh, score predictions. Shit. I'm so caught up in the fact that we're not good that I'm not worried about score <laughs> predictions. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, have, you guys, have you guys heard my Lucid FC reads? Oh, they're terrible. They're majestic. <laughs> FC Dallas. I'll go for a... 2-1 Dallas win. You're being too kind. Yeah, 2-0. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I venture to say 3-0, 4-0, something along those lines. Oof, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. Let's see Dallas is good. 3-1 uh, Dallas. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck to think. What about Chicago? Oh, God. I think it'll be a... One nil loss. I don't know. I what, like what can you expect from this team at this point? I let's say one one. All right, one one nil. I say we get it. I say we, wow. we bring back. Yeah, we we get a win against Chicago. I say we say I I'd say we get three points out of that match because I'm so tired. Honestly, I'm not that tired of watching us lose. I mean, I am, but I understand like the. The, the climate like i can't expect this team to everyone's win. everyone's numb to the process now yeah, yeah. i still yeah. Right. i still i still like seeing atlanta united play on tv like i like seeing us in our jerseys yeah. playing on the field i i'm gonna watch the games uh even though we suck but i like it's like a familiarity thing it's like stockholm syndrome i mean you know who the players are <laughs> yeah and that's why you've got, you are, you're wearing the jersey yeah that's why you sir are true 17 um right. elliot beaven says four nil domer says two nil neither of them specified a team 
But it's um, obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Brittany S is a draw 2-2. Two, two. I'm guessing she means for the, uh, yep. She's talking about the Dallas game. Domer, 1-1 Chicago. Elliot Beeman, 3-3. Again, another draw. Uh, Gustavo Rodriguez saying a difficult draw. Uh, Coach Steve saying 1-1 against Chicago. Got a lot of them in here. 1-1 against Chicago for Brittany S, too. Um, Brian says the Gallagher goal is nice. Got to enjoy the little things. A half volley into the top of the net from that far away. Yeah, you got to enjoy that. Um, Yeah, I think that's... It was the same uh, good pass from Bello through the legs of I don't even know who the defender was, but oh, the nutmeg, yeah, yeah, that was it, the whole thing was impressive. I hope that was it was like, against Ben Sweat. Don't like that guy. No, <laughs> I don't like him either. Yeah. Who's who's less like? Who's got a less likable face? Ben Sweat or uh, Daniel Lovitz? Mm-hmm. I'll let you I know. On that. I feel like Daniel Royer's up there. Oh no, Alex Muir can't stand him. Looks like oh a game yeah ball. yeah that goatee. He looks like he should be working at GameStop. Yeah, terrible. Um, you guys are mean. You just yeah. go straight from <laughs> the personal. My gosh. <laughs> well, at least, when have... I, at least when I'm critical of players, it's about the play on the field, not their personal, you know, image. <laughs> well, that's something well, they can control, Eric. Just like the play on the field. Oh. Uh... All right. Well, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and making us a part of your week. We love you guys. Uh, Make sure that you guys join us next week. And as always, be home before dark. Opportunities do not come with a value stamped on them. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.